We deny that the content of the gospel includes obedience to the law and that any work of obedience merits salvation. We deny that law-keeping contributes in any way to justification before God or declaring the sinner righteous based on anything other than faith in Christ. We deny that the law can be separated from the love of the personal God who gave the law. We deny that citizenship in a God-glorifying Christian nation or anything outside of the above affirmation has any saving power. And that is the final portion of Article 15 on the distinction between law and gospel, which finds itself within the middle and heading down the home stretch of the statement on Christian nationalism and the gospel. This is the Faith Debate. We've been working through this statement for a number of weeks now and gathered together at least one more time. Daniel Rasby, David Forsey, and me, Troy Skinner. You can find me online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, you can find the show online at wfmd.com as well. And thank you for spending part of your day with us here on the Faith of Eight as we work through this statement. And I know that, uh, trust me, even for us, we get a little bit frustrated, like, man, th- this structure forces us into a box. But I, I think it's a good discipline, and it's exposed some things. It even came up last week and the week before, some things that would be fodder for other shows, topics that sure. we might not have stumbled upon if not working through these sorts of things. And so that's good. And I got to tell you, this has been uh, fighting words uh, among the body. And, the, and as a pastor, you know, who believes strongly in, in agreement with the Apostle Paul that we have union in Christ. We have unity that has been won for us in Christ, and we need to live that out, and we need to, uh, to fight to defend uh, what that should look like. And uh, it's one thing to be poking holes in and going after those who are preaching a false gospel. But when we disagree about how politics should shape out or what the best path forward uh, and what obedience to God best looks like, where there's maybe some room for some disagreement because we just don't know everything, I think we can have some grace. Um, and on this show, I think we demonstrate it, I hope that we do, that we're forthright in our disagreements, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if, if Daniel says something knuckleheaded or I say something knuckleheaded, we call each other on it. Um, and if we say something good, we try to affirm e- each other in that. Sometimes we do it playfully. Sometimes we do it very directly. And that's all fine, but it's all in the spirit of building up, of edifying, of being right. iron sharpening iron. It's not throwing pies to the face. It's not trying to trash somebody on social media, trying to diminish their ministry or their or, or their personhood. You know. And so we're trying to model how we can talk about a very contentious issue that has been just hugely problematic within the American church, at least, for the last number of months, probably about two years, I would say, at least. It's been a, a real problem. And so we're trying to at least model that. And sh- and for those who say, oh, this is really simple, because I've had, have you had those conversations? Mm-hmm. What are they fighting about? It's so simple. And then they tell you what they think the simple answer is like, yeah, your answer is too simple. It's not that simple. And this just demonstrates, these guys put a lot of thought into this statement. It's long. It's like, I mean, it's like 10, 12 pages or something. It's long. It's a lot of words. And they tried hard. And here we are picking it apart word by word. It's not easy. And I'm not, as we pick it apart, we're not saying we could do better, right? We couldn't necessarily write this any better than they have, but because they've written it and, they've, and they're putting it out there for consumption, we're trying to say, okay, how could this be strengthened? How could, how could this, you know, be improved in some way? What parts should be taken out or whatever? So in that spirit, uh, what do we think about the denial here on article 15? We deny the content of the gospel includes obedience to the law. That's interesting because it feels like David was maybe thinking differently about that in last week's show unless they're defining things differently. Because you're talking about you got to start with the breaking of the law and sharing the gospel. you got to share the bad news first. Well, they're, they're saying it, uh, the content of the gospel. So the, so I, I think what they're getting at here, which I would agree with, is that um, that keeping the law is what saves. 
right? And I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you don't know that you need saved until you know that you're a lawbreaker. And right. once you're and, saved, and, you and, should you should obey as well. And I think the the process of ongoing sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit is also part of the gospel message. And so I yeah. think obedience to the law somehow does fit yeah. within a sharing of well, what, yeah. the gospel. I mean, when we when we are um, uh, when we are enemies of God and dead in our sins, right? We love our sin, right? And so then, when we uh, repent of our sin, when God saves us from it he he turns our hearts so that we now love the law right so i mean even even as a even sinners stumble across you know stumble into abiding by the law from time to time <laughs> you know right and, they, and, and they do find some advantages in and, that and it's not just a, a a stumbling i mean by god's providence and his his uh you know his common grace mm -hmm. for, for society to be able to function plus even though it's a marred image uh even the the unrepentant uh reprobate still bear some image of god yeah. on their person they have a conscience until they're completely given over and their heart becomes so hardened that they don't even respond to their own conscience anymore so there's some thing there yeah. it's not just a mere stumbling even that is i mean if you want to call it stumbling even that stumbling is ordained by god yeah well <laughs> in where, some manner. where i was going with that is also that okay so then even though i may you know now i i love the law but i am still in a uh broken body in a marred world and so i still stumble in sin right in that regard so um yeah and and then again just getting back to to what they're saying here that you know they're i think they're trying to be very clear okay even if there is a civil government that is enforcing the moral law of god right it is not the keeping of that moral law of God that saves anyone. So then clearly it's not. Not only does it not save anybody, it doesn't even contribute towards saving or justifying anybody. That's what they're saying. It doesn't contribute in any way to justification to, before God. Uh, right, yeah. Keeping that law doesn't make your salvation better than it was or more complete than it was or right. anything like that. Yeah. 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 And again, they're, they're, they're leaving the uh, Roman Catholics a curb on, on this sort of language. Which, you know, we'll have that debate on a different show. <laughs> Article 16 on civil disobedience. We were just talking about obedience. Now here's civil disobedience. We affirm that categorical opposition to civil disobedience is idolatry of the state. We affirm that civil disobedience is a proper Christian response to civil dictates which, one, command what God forbids. Two, forbid what God commands. Three, overstep their jurisdiction. Four, bind the conscience where God alone has jurisdiction. Or five, have no basis in rationality. rationality. A uh, just law is always a rational law, they put in parentheses. And we affirm that lesser magistrates may and sometimes must disobey a lawless higher magistrate to obey God. For example, uh, I'm having a hard time speaking all of a sudden. For example, lesser magistrates such as state governments, counties, and municipalities must disregard any order, statute, or ruling from a higher magistrate such as the federal government. I got something to say about that. Instructing them to allow a 
abortion. We affirm that civil disobedience, although sometimes necessary, is rarely the normative relationship between a citizen and their civil government. I find it fascinating that these guys that are going to be very sharp and smart on, because they're talking specifically in a USA context, and they're all about the government and the church and American history, and they're going to point to a lot of things that Daniel Rasby has pointed to about the founding of this country, Mm -hmm. and yet somehow they have this blind spot that they don't understand that originally the federal government is supposed to be the lesser magistrate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the way they've structured this is it's the general government, the big government that meets in Washington, D.C., is somehow the higher, better, bigger magistrate compared to the states. That was never the intention. The states were right. supposed to be the higher magistrate, and the, the what we call the federal government now was to be the lesser magistrate. Those roles have flipped, and I find it just... I don't. I think to be understood in today's the substance context, of the thing doesn't. They're absolutely yeah. right in how right. they said this. Other than I'm surprised that they didn't <laughs> use this as an opportunity to to clarify. Uh, they didn't want a sidebar, I guess. Yeah. Well, they've done that in other places, though, right? They've sidebarred in other places. I'm surprised they didn't sidebar. Well, here. a lot of Christians we tend to want it both ways, right? We want, on the one hand, states to be more powerful than the government. On the other hand, we we would all vote for a national law against abortion, right? So. Uh, that's, that's kind of the. the, the Are you suggesting that we like our cake so much we want to have it and eat it too? I, I think so. I think you're probably right. Um, no, I, I I would put myself in that camp, and that's because abortion is murder, and every government, no matter whether they're federal or state, should always prohibit murder. And if the uh, you know one level is not doing that job particularly, then those other levels should definitely be enforcing that. All right. Now, the, the uh, denial here says we deny that men's consciences, homes. Uh, well, oh, you have more to say one, on the one affirmation? Thing, yeah, this and then just kind of like in general, I, I feel like there's not enough emphasis on the idea that we aren't citizens of the United States. We're citizens of heaven. And we always need to have that focus. That if to what extent, to any extent, any of these, this involvement with the government, teaching by the government, if Christians' roles in government or in voting or anything, to any, any extent that it ever applies, it is always far, far, far and away subordinate to our place as citizens of Christ's kingdom. Right. Yeah, we're, not, we're not merely if you go, citizens of the United if, States. If right? you, you, you're if a you citizen of the United States. You're not saying that you're not a citizen. You're not merely. Well, and what supersedes that not, citizenship. Not, not, not only am I saying I'm not merely, I'm saying that's like the least important type of citizenship that we have, like far uh, like for example, yeah, but the apostle Paul appeals to his Roman citizenship. He does, he does. I, I agree. But like, let's say you you get in a room with some uh, g- uh, believer in China, right? And then uh, some uh, buddy down the street that's a politician in, in 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 your town or whatever. You have a lot more in common with this believer in China who doesn't even speak your language. A lot more co- in common with him than anybody. That's your neighbor or 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 your country. Yeah, where it ultimately matters from a heavenly perspective, I would say yes. But in a practical, uh, living out our life in the world manner, I'm not so sure because the person in China, I don't speak his language. I didn't grow up in that context. I don't know their history the way I know my history and vice versa. Uh, Their family structures and units might be a little bit different than what I'm used to. They're going to have cultural norms that are different. So I have an awful lot in common with my next door neighbor who doesn't profess to be a Christian. I have a lot in common just because of proximity. We know a lot about traffic patterns in Frederick. There's you know, a lot about politics in the area. So, uh, but spiritually, it ultimately matters, yes, but I think proximate familiarity is so, is important so, too. I don't want to throw the I baby out with the bathwater. I think there's very valid points that we're both making on this, yeah. and I think 
that is something that's missing from this statement. I would have liked to see more discussion of the heavenly polity versus the earthly polity. And and, and I agree. I can't and I can't believe set. I'm even throwing any sort of hint at shade at that because I agree with that 100. percent I just don't want to go well, so regardless far. Of, well, regardless of how they would have addressed it, they don't seem to address that much at all in this whole statement. Yeah. The idea that we are citizens first of Christ's kingdom, and a distant second is anything relating to our government. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a second. I think they're. Uh, I mean, related. You, you would say they're unrelated. Mm, maybe so uh right so our citizenship is in heaven um right we are members of the the family of god so like i would agree in the same sense that uh that i have more in common with someone who i'm not blood related to who's in christ i have you know all things in common with them and i have you know nothing but earthly things in common with my relative who is not a believer so, um, but uh, I. But which is more important, the heavenly things or the earthly things? Uh, so I think, I think every. I mean, what we do in the body is of heavenly importance. What we do, right? So I'm I'm a member of the family of God, right? But God has also made me a a four C. So I'm a member of the four C family by God's ordination. I'm a sure. citizen of the United States by, you know, by God's sovereign decree. And I'm held responsible for what I do in the body, for what I do as my role in the Forsey family, for what I do as as a citizen of the United States. So I, I don't right, I, I don't disagree in the sense that okay, we as Christians have a um like a, a, a bigger perspective th- on everything. Th- but but everything that we do uh and, th- and this might be a good this might be a good topic to, to have more discussion on as well, um, because we might have a whole show or two on it. I I was more something more, on the dual citizenship yeah, idea. Yeah, I'll make a note and I'll put that on our list. I, we've got an ever growing list. By I've the way. Got, <laughs> excellent. I've got a friend who's got who has just wrote like a whole big dissertation on that subject. Well, maybe I'll have to get a copy of that. We can go through that as a statement. And as um, he. Proximate? Could he make it into the uh, studio? It, it, no, um, it is uh, several states away. It, it, may, it may not be possible. We'll, we'll, we'll see. All right. But we'll, we'll talk about that off air. Um, okay. Yeah. And, we'll uh, go to the horse's mouth on that one if we can. If not, then you know we'll trust you to. Right. So I, I, I was more complaining that they really didn't even address address this topic at all, and I feel like that would have been one of the main points that they want to get out of the way when they're discussing how we relate as well, our citizenship. And I don't know that that's necessarily like. Uh, an accident or a blind spot. It's a blind spot, but I think it's kind of baked into the cake to use an old phrase that was used on the talk shows for a long time that I got tired of hearing. Sorry, I said that just now. But (laughs) it's kind of part of what I think is an undergirding problem with my pushback on this whole movement and this idea because it is so worldly uh, focused. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, what about the heavenly focus? Where's that? And it feels like there's that's kind of missing a little bit. And I agree with you, and it's inter- I'm, I'm encouraged that you're agreeing. So I'm not completely out in left field. Right. I might be somewhere in shallow things, center, but I'm not completely out in left field. A lot of the things they're saying we we, uh, we all agree with, but uh, they may be missing the point. There may be something far more important that's a deeper issue that they're not even addressing. That's all. Yeah. But, well, the denial know. here is uh, the men's consciences, homes, churches, or states are bound by legal or moral 
inventions, they deny this, are, are, are bound by these legal or moral inventions of men apart from the word of God. We further deny that civil authorities have the right to coerce or command obedience to the dictates of men apart from God's word. Moreover, we deny the authority of rulers to squelch civil disobedience if the free and necessary worship of and obedience to the triune God is being hindered. The only thing that comes to my mind here is speed limit laws and where they fit in. Because <laughs> those are like man-made kinds of laws that are not right. bound, right? There's nothing in the Bible about how fast one should travel, I don't think. No, but that is an extent, the whole fa how fast one should travel, that is based in a moral law because it's based in the idea, well, it, it would be immoral to be driving in a reckless manner that endangers other people's lives unnecessarily. And so what is a reckless manner? Well, we're trying to define reckless. On this road, reckless will be over 65. That would be reckless. Right, and, it, my, and my concern... From a, this is just a concerned citizen. This isn't necessarily a biblical argument, but it kind of is. Uh, it's so it's so arbitrary. It is. I think it. I'd be okay with it. I think if they were to set it up like they did with the um, uh, putting the fences on the roofs of the houses. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to do that to protect your neighbor. Somebody falls off and kills themselves or breaks a leg or whatever. And uh, but there was no sanction for not having the fence. The sanction was if you didn't have the fence and somebody hurt themselves, right. then you should have had a fence. So if they want to say, look, the guidelines are this road, you shouldn't go any faster than 65 miles an hour, and somebody's doing 90 and they get in an accident, then it's like, you got an accident, you're doing 90, we said it should be 65, you're getting, you're getting whacked. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing 90 and you're doing so safely, right. I don't think you should get whacked. I think that would be fall in, in line. In, but anyway. In law school, I learned about something called negligence per se. So when you're assuming somebody... And, and you're saying, well, you were negligent, you, you're liable to me, you owe me damages, you're, you already win the argument to begin with if you can prove they were breaking a law while they're doing it. Because even though you're not, they're not being charged with a crime, but you can say, hey, you were speeding and you hit me. Well, by default, you're already liable to me, you already owe me the money. It doesn't really matter whether you intended to do this or whatever, you were breaking the law and the government's already decreed that this will be requisite. So they, we do have that kind of a, but only on the civil side. And that comes plays back into my whole recommendation that that should be the main focus of uh, of, rest, of of government is restitution, you know, or, or of criminal uh, law is restitution rather than, you know, fines or punishment, you know, jail or time and things like that. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else on Article 16 or should I move on to 17? Go ahead and move on. All right. Article 17, uh, the heading here is methodology. We affirm that the kingdom of God does not advance by carnal means, but by the working of the Spirit in bringing men to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. We affirm that cultures, or culture rather, culture affects law and that law also affects culture. We affirm that while political maneuvering and cultural expertise can be good and helpful, God works most powerfully through bold proclamation of his truth by his people. We affirm that God uses means yet is free to work without, above, and against them at his pleasure. And the denial says we deny that pragmatism should be the driving force behind the decision-making of a Christian movement, which is interesting because I feel like almost definitively the uh, American, the, the unofficial American religion over the last couple of generations has been pragmatism. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the whole thing with the abortion movement. Oh, well, let's just pass a six-week ban because we can get that passed. Well, that still leaves so many babies being killed, right? So that and that's, whatever we can pass, that's going to be good enough. Yeah. You know? Now, as for the affirmation itself, I got to say, this might be uh, a rarity. It might be the only one I'm trying to think of. I've had other times like this. I don't know if I have any thoughts, really, about this one. I think it just 
Yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I'm not excited necessarily like wow, although it's fine, but I'm not there's nothing to push back on either. It's like, okay, good. Yeah. Move on. Like, you agree? <laughs> sure. All right, well, then, well, we have time maybe to squeeze one more in on this show, then, and this is an interesting one, and uh, Hmm, this could be be a whole series of shows, probably, but Article 18. It's dealing with war, and and, uh, at the time of recording this show, there's been a recent war breaking out in the Middle East. Who knows by the time it... It uh, this airs yeah. maybe World War Three or it may have already been over by then. Christ might but, have already turned by then. Or or maybe there's it <laughs> fizzles, fizzles out into nothing. But in any case, it's definitely relevant these yeah. days. Yeah. So it's just war is the heading. Just war. Um, we affirm that war is only to be waged one for a just cause by a just magistrate involving the protection of human life from persecution. Uh, I'm sure you can have some things to say about that. (laughs) Two, as a last resort when peaceful methods of conflict resolution have been diligently pursued and exhausted. Three, in pursuit of achievable goals. Four, with the pure motive and intention of establishing peace and justice as quickly as possible. And five, by moral means that scrupulously avoid civilian casualties, and I have something to say about that, and only inflicts as much violence as is necessary for the achievement of the objective. We affirm that even when a war is just according to the above criteria, nations should be extremely cautious in discerning whether a proposed war is wise, taking every contingency into account. We affirm that many wars throughout history have been waged for sinful purposes such as greed, revenge, and lust for power and fortune. Well, I agree with the last sentence. So, <laughs> there have been sinful wars in the past. I agree with that. Yeah, so I got to say, I know Daniel doesn't like this one. So Not at all. You got a little bit of time. Uh, hit the highlights. What are some of the things you just uh, I don't mean, like about this? I, I, th- I, I, I affirm that these are good these would be uh, just ways of waging war, but I, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that this is the only way that you can or should wage war, and we know that this is the case, if only in specific circumstances there are exceptions, and maybe you could say the exception proves the rule, but there are exceptions. God commanded Israel to wipe out every man, woman, and child in various Canaanite tribes. Well, that's not minimizing civilian casualties; that's killing everybody, and it's not protecting human life from anybody; it's killing human life. So. There are exceptions for that, and I don't know that the Bible ever really prohibits nations conquesting other nations, per se. There's a lot of other moral rules that apply to that, and a lot of it just deals with how Israel is supposed to interact with other nations. It doesn't really talk a lot about what other nations are supposed to do to each other. Um, so I, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you are, let's say you happen to be the king of a Christian country, and you are a Christian, and and you're considering going to war, and these are some considerations that would be reasonable for you to have. I'm, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm, I'm just, I'm not willing to put my foot down and say these are the only methods you could ever wage. Eh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think the, the whole, especially the whole civilian casualty thing. I'm as a Star Trek fan. I'm reminded of the Star Trek episode <laughs> where, where Captain Kirk is telling this, the, these aliens that have been waging pretend war, and the computers decide who dies, and then they get to just kill those people so that they don't have to destroy their infrastructure. And he's like, "War is supposed to be evil. That it's it is horrible. That's what makes it a thing to be avoided. If it's not evil and terrible, then you're not going to want to ever stop. And you've been having this war for 500 years in that in that specific yeah. episode. And Daniel's on record on this show talking about some of these issues uh, in previous episodes. If you want to find some old podcasts where we're talking about uh, war issues and stuff, you can do that. And I think it's one of the things I made mention how I've, we're making a list of things to talk mm-hmm. about. I think this is something we're going to swing back and talk about sure. um, in this calendar year, probably. And I'm just going to finish this up. The only thing I want to say about this last one, and then you can finish out if you have anything. 
is, um, uh, I think it's kind of sloppy language. We deny that war is ever a means by which the gospel or simply good ideas about government and society are to be spread. We deny that holy wars are ever morally permissible. We deny that governments may coerce civilian participation in unjust wars. Um, I, I, I just, I don't necessarily agree with some of uh, Daniel's uh, thoughts on the question of what's a just mm-hmm. wars and what are, in today's context in the world. Uh, but whatever you might say about this denial, I probably would agree with you because I just don't think this is the, yeah. this was written all that well. That's, there's there's exceptions to every single one of those statements. I think. Yeah, I, and I think and even I, you would agree there are exceptions. And to I, it. I agree. Even I think they go as far as I do. I, I think they they could have been tighter there. Maybe they didn't know how. They didn't have time. They're waiting for somebody like us to tell them how to do it. I don't know. Anyway, or <laughs> suggesting how they might not tell them, but suggest, anyway. So we've made it through uh, that many. We got a few more. So we're gonna have to do at least one more show on this statement, and uh, we'll see if we can finish it up. And if, if it takes two more, that's fine. But one or two more shows max. Thank you, uh, David Forsey, Daniel Rasby. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate. Thanks for listening. Till next week, God bless.